Welcome to the DubSpot Partner Podcast, where we chat to HubSpot partners about how they deliver outstanding value to their customers in an evolving technology landscape. And now live from HubSpot EMEA HQ in Dublin, here's your host, Luke Curry. Welcome to another episode of the DubSpot Partner Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Curry. Um, I've got Rich Wood out there in Manchester. Isn't it Manchester, Rich, isn't it? Manchester is where I'm currently stood, and I think it is about to start pissing down with rain nice. right on cue. Yeah, exactly. It's the autumn is coming in here in Ireland as well. I've got my uh, my co-host on a different podcast that I do, Mark Baker, entrepreneur, accountant, artist out there in uh, Dublin as well. So he's going to join us and uh, see if he can add his two cents as well. I'm jealous. He's got way more titles attached to his name. Oh. I'm just an agency owner. He's got all these like artist, accountant. I mean, fucking hell. He's a teacher. Half of that is made up, Richard. Don't worry. He's an author. Oh, I, I actually, like, I'm going to start telling people I'm an accountant as well. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna check really. I, I was thinking so like you know those people say like uh, accountant or you know and then it says ACA or you know ACC. Yeah, yep. I, I'm just gonna put that beside me. I don't know if anyone's checking that, and uh, we'll just take D- it there. DIC. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so uh, let's uh, talk about the business. So the business is six and flow. Um, you guys, what I usually do is when I kick off these podcasts, I say, how would you describe the business uh, as a HubSpot partner? Um, what's what's the story uh, with uh, six and flow? Um, so we are, I think we're about six and a half years old, something around about those lines. Um, and we are, we've been a partner probably for about six, six years, maybe a, a couple of months over six years as well. So we took on HubSpot almost immediately. Um, my original cam was at the agency I was at before was pitching me to become a, a HubSpot partner when I was at that agency. Hey. And uh, we kind of fobbed him off accidentally, politely, but we fobbed him off for a while. Um, and then he he managed to connect with me basically the same day that I uh, left the other business and was like, look, what are you doing now? And I told him I'm, I'm, I'm doing a consultancy thing. He's like, what about selling HubSpot? And I was like, well, maybe. And he's like, what about if I bring you out to Boston for inbound? And I was like, yeah. yeah, I could probably be convinced. Came out to Boston, walked into inbound. I don't know if you guys have been to inbound, but it is like hell American when it, it's like getting punched in the face of like, it's kind of like a, a rock concert of all these adoring inbound fans, almost like sycophants yeah. almost. And I walked in there as a, a true Brit and I was like, I feel really uncomfortable. Everybody's way too happy here. <laughs> and then the end of the week spoke to other partners, like got into it. And I was like, yeah, fuck inbound. This is brilliant. Like, and I, so we took it on and it was kind of out of guilt. Almost. I became a partner because he'd put in all this effort to bring me across <laughs> Um, and then we kind of took it from there. We originally, we started off with landing page, a PPC to landing pages as a kind of agency. We originally started with, did that for a bit. And then as we brought in HubSpot, we started to digging into the inbound and the nerd and me starts geeking out with the automation. We could do this. And then we started to break into the sales piece um, and start using the tools across the, the um, all the hubs um, and just playing with the tech and seeing how we could help customers. Amazing. The, for just for for context for Mark here, so inbound is kind of like it's our it's our big HubSpot big kind of uh, show or uh, convention, uh, whatever you want to call it. It's in Boston every year, and uh, has people like Oprah. It has people like you know has like really big names that speak there. Um, John Cena. John, sorry, I should have started with John Cena. What am I talking about? Yeah, I mean, come on, start with the big one. Yeah, the big one. The big one's John Cena for sure. Um, the and uh, he speaks Chinese, or he tries to speak Chinese now. I hear, and he's uh, getting better. So good, uh, good luck with that. But, but me and Mark are big fans of doing business in America. Uh, like me and Mark, we go <laughs> when we go on vacation, we 
generally go to America as well. I don't know what it is. We just love the so that kind of that that like you said, the punch in the face of the American uh, way of doing things. That everything's big. Everything's like you know uh, everything is optimistic. Um, we love that as well. So I'm, I'm I'm sure if Mark, if we got you to inbound, you'd be you'd be a, a partner as well. You'd switch out of the recruitment game altogether. So what did John Cena talking about? Week hungover as well. John Cena was amazing. So John John Cena was talking about um, so like his his approach to how he kind of developed through his life and how he um, I mean because when we first saw John Cena on the the list we're like why the hell have they got John Cena like a wrestler like and so my view on him was like a knuckle dragging wrestler type thing I was like this is not going to be a good talk but he closed out inbound and it was it was one of the best talks that I've ever heard because it was perfectly timed within the week but he's talking about like his his self-development how he approaches challenges and it was it was really really interesting talk like it's crazy Mark we got to go next year we'll go uh I'll get some sort of pass for you Mark because I mean when I, the first year I remember I was over in Boston just before I was doing my training over there when I started in HubSpot they used to fly over there because they didn't have any training operations in, in Dublin and uh, I remember, like, it was the first time I was hearing about it, and Michelle Obama was talking, and like, this yeah. Obama was still, you know, up in the house, you know. Um, so I was like, Jesus, this is a big deal. And then um, I never actually got to go between all the COVID stuff in the last couple of years and all that uh, type of jazz. But I'd love to go um, and get uh, get kind of re-drink the Kool Aid. The first time I was all in, I want to I want to get get that kind of John Cena all in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's it, like wh- let me know when you're out there, and we'll definitely hang out. We'll we'll go eat lobster roll and drink Sam Adams. Sounds great to me. Um, so the but we digress. Yeah, but we digress. Um, yeah, uh, Boston's a great town to go visit. Anyway, uh, a lot of a lot of our cousins over there, Mark. Everyone's looking. Everyone's freckles walking around and stuff like that. I feel like a lot of our our, uh, our guys are over there. But uh, so with the the six and flow, it's been a, a like so you've been a partner for say six years. Um, it's been really successful. A very well known uh, partner in the ecosystem. Um, what was the when you got going with with HubSpot? You mentioned that the cam kind of recruited you. Did you just what was the first kind of day like where you were a partner? Then you're like, okay, are you selling this kind of one to one? Are you uh, like, is the agency just you and a friend, or like, was it how was that kind of working at that stage? So when we became a partner, it was just me, um, and then within a month, uh, we had our first team member, Adam. So he he joined fairly soon after starting and after becoming a HubSpot partner. And both of us were kind of we took it on as one of those tools. We were like, yeah, it might work, it might not, but let's give it a, a go. Um, and I remember distinctly, um, uh, Gronio Sullivan was our CC at the time, and she was amazing. But I remember like distinctly being like onboarding for me i get really frustrated with all tech onboarding i just want you to give me the keys and let me run with it and i'll just see what happens and then when i inevitably break it i'll come back and be like i've broken it how do i fix it and i remember with all onboarding i'm like this is great but how do i do it faster how do i like learn more and i remember failing one of the partner accreditations by like a single question the first time around and i was emailing gronio i was like gronio i've just failed it by one question but it won't let me take it for another 24 hours like how do i reopen it and she's like you're gonna have to wait but um, so that's um, we were really lucky with being a partner, though. So we had a client at the time who were we were super close with, entrenched with. We were um, the trusted advisor in that relationship. And I remember being sat in one of the inbound sessions with my laptop out and just emailing and going, 
I'm watching all this stuff about the tool. We're going to take it on as a partner. I think this is absolutely something that could revolutionize the way that you work because you're working off spreadsheets, but we can also automate follow-up for the sales team and blah, 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 blah. And he just emailed me back going, well, let's do it. So the day I signed up as a partner, we signed our first client on as well. Wow. And they came on to be, they went, we won a growth award with them. Uh, like they became uh, one of our best case studies. So it was, we were lucky because we had a, a client who was willing for us to learn on them. So every other partner normally, and HubSpot advocates this, and I advocate this, is build build your shit on your platform, learn the mistakes, like build it all out, understand it, and then take it out to clients. Ours was the second portal that we ever built because, and like kind of rolled out marketing activity across because we had the opportunity to work with this client, learn how it worked and roll things out. And we were doing it at volume, which meant the learning curve was steeper, but we actually took in way more than we would have on our own portal. So I, it was it was fast paced, um, but I, I think that that has been the mo for the agency since we started. Is we have a, an undercurrent of one of our core values is playfulness, which when you break it down, essentially means move fast and break things. So as long as like we learn from those mistakes, all of it is a um, what do we call it with our kids now a, a learning opportunity. So it's it's very much like that with how we run the agency as well. You learn from the mistakes, you move fast, and we we are able to offer better outcomes for our clients like that. But it means we are also able to learn and adapt a lot faster. It's such an interesting business as well. I was talking to Mark about these types of businesses because I've sp spoken to so many now uh, directly. I know all the the partners that had been doing well over the last uh, few years with HubSpot. And one of the things that I, I thought was interesting was how do you, so we want at HubSpot, we want all of our partners to thrive, be really successful, grow their own business as well, because that's going to help us grow in the, in the long term as well, if you guys are in a strong position. But how do you, I guess, in a, a project-based business, how do you guys decide when it's time to hire new people? How do you guys decide when, you know, could the HubSpot stuff take a, or HubSpot or any of the, the projects you guys are working on kind of take a dip in six months? Do you worry about that when you're trying to expand? You know, it's not like it, it, that type of business is, is it difficult? Jeez, you had to bring it down a level, didn't you? No. <laughs> so we um, actually, no. So the, the, if you look at the ecosystem as it stands, right, and you look at the markets that we are now going into, and I, I'm the collective we, as in HubSpot and the agency ecosystem, if you look at the, the places that we are now going after, so we are now competitive, competitively complete, competing in bloody hell competitively competing with the sales forces, the dynamics, and like the heavy integration stuff, we can do that and we compete at that. And it's a better tool to use because of, I mean, we can go into a million reasons. I'm not trying to sell you HubSpot here, but it is a better tool in the grand scheme of things because it's a single platform. It's easier to onboard people. It's easier to manage, blah, 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 blah. We are now chipping away at that market. So most of the pitches I go into now aren't against other agencies. They are against Salesforce partners or Dynamics partners. And what that means is, so Salesforce own what, like 90 something percent of the market. And it is it is the the Google of the CRM space in terms of the, uh, it's synonymous, yeah. right? You say CRM, most people with the sales experience will say, oh, do you mean Salesforce? Yeah. So that means that there is an excitingly big chunk of market that hasn't bought HubSpot yet. 
And as long as HubSpot don't do something catastrophically stupid and I don't like fuck up the tool somehow, then we will continue to be able to do that. Because let's be honest, I have never met a single person who actually enjoys using Salesforce. I mean, it is like getting kicked in the nuts every time you want to do something with it. I mean, I am I am probably over-egging that a little bit, but it is like getting punched in the face at least. Yeah. So that's that is that is the exciting thing for us as partners is that we are only at the beginning. We are only at the start of the process. So if you, I don't know if you've ever read um, uh, Bezos's letters, like he, like the investment letters he does, um, but there's a, a great book called um, Bezos Letters or something like that. And it's all the letters he writes every year to the investors. And every year he signs it off with, and we are at day one. And what he means by that is like, we are at the beginning of an exciting journey. We should always be thriving to like continue that journey as though we are at day one because there is so much left to do and that's how i look at the hubspot ecosystem because there is so much left to go after and that is with the current tool set so we now have what four hubs five hubs i mean i lose count now but there's a, a chunk of hubs now and that's great because most of my clients have three or four of them but won't have the fifth so i still have potential up till then but they won't be the last hubs that come out. So even the ones that I have already sold HubSpot to, I can go back and sell them other HubSpot and then I can sell them services as well. It's the, it's one of the, the I don't know, not to be a, a sales pitch for uh, for HubSpot on the, the DubSpot partner podcast here, but it is interesting how the, the release of all these different uh, hubs that touch different teams within businesses. So if it's the service team or the marketing team or the sales team, et cetera, um, it does give us opportunities to go into different uh, departments and, and companies as well and kind of expand that way, which is really exciting. And uh, it's not slowing down. We've got lots of stuff in the works. Um, so that's really exciting too. What, at Six and Flow, what do you guys like really love doing? Is there something that you guys would prefer to do as a project? Do you like the, do you still love the, the marketing end of things kind of primarily or do you like now kind of warmed up to the more technical stuff? What do you guys love doing? So we, we work full spectrum. Um, I guess you could say. So like we we dabble in all of the tools and like we effectively implement all of the different areas and provide services off of it. Fastest area, fastest growing area of the business would be um, on the sales and CRM. So the the heavy lifting, like hundreds of plus seat CRM gigs, that is where we work quite heavily at the moment and the integration side. So integrating large marketing portals with millions of plus contacts that for us is an exciting space because they're not they're not paint by numbers rollouts right they they require thinking and strategy and we need to understand who's using it how they're using it what tools are being stitched into it so that stuff is inherently interesting and we're really good at it but also the strategy side so the if if i were to say like where are the areas that we're strongest it's strategy implementation and training so like we we help people understand what they should be doing we give them the tools to be able to do it and then we show them how to do it and then also we help them do it if they need us to do it. So it's like we can then offer those marketing services as well. But that's not the fastest growing part anymore. It is much more on the other side of the business in the sales piece and the integration side. So interesting. It's a real uh, kind of evolution for your business as well, I guess, when the HubSpot product changes and evolves. You guys kind of evolve along with it, which is really cool. Um, so the one of the, one of the things I'd like to have a chat with you as well. Just while we've got Mark Baker on the line here, he runs a uh, <laughs> he runs a uh, a financial recruiting business uh, here in Dublin, and he doesn't know whether or not to 
uh, invest in swag for his potential uh, clients. Always or... swag, always <laughs> swag. But make sure you go something like suitably wanky SaaS business like and get Patagonia. Has to be Patagonia. Jeez, that's, that's, Rich, that's expensive stuff. You know, that's he's a recruiter. He's yeah. got money coming out of his ears. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's you know, Rich is right. But uh, so from a from a marketing point of view, do you know in those types of uh, like someone like Mark came to you guys, Six and Flow, and they're looking for advice on this. Like, do you guys kind of promote more? Like, it's the type of business that recruitment is is it is gonna uh, it's like hand to hand combat. There's a lot of you know a lot of reaching out to people. There's a lot of uh, contacting people kind of having meetings coffees all that type of stuff um, but at the end of the day people do business with mark's company because they like them i guess right um, but is there any way from a marketing point of view or what, what would you kind of suggest if mark wanted to maybe go into the the british market or if he wanted to you know up his inbound so he doesn't have to do so much kind of outreach with his team and stuff like that what would be is it is it just the patagonian swag or is there other options out there rich um, I, I would question the ROI you're actually going to get off sending Patagonia swag to business. I mean, I'd buy from you if you sent me swag. That's pretty much how I work. But um, so we actually work with a number of recruitment agencies um, across different sectors. Um, one of our biggest HubSpot clients is a, uh, a like global recruiter. Um, and we work a lot, lot in the rec tech space as well. But what I would the first so if you came to us the first thing I would start to dig into is like what is it that you're actually trying to sell like how are you trying to sell it who are you trying to sell it to and like what what does your current activity look like so you're saying it's very hand to hand and manual maybe you don't need inbound maybe you just need ways to remove friction points or um, duplicate effort not duplicate reduce effort reduce yeah definitely reduce not duplicate so like by like throwing in automations things like that so quite often when we work with teams we'll be working with the marketing and the sales teams um we, we normally create like a, a lifeline not lifeline life cycle strategy so from marketing all the way through to um sales and ops so how how you're attracting how you're delivering uh selling and then delivering and by doing that, the first thing that we do is so we map it out chronologically. So big whiteboard post-it note type session, like proper wanky agency stuff. And then we map out each one of those points and you say, okay, then we send this email, then we do this. And we're like, okay, but maybe we could automate that process. So then actually you've got more time collectively across the month. We've given you back two days of your time and we can then start to build in some of those processes. At the same time, I'd be saying to you, okay, who is it we're actually trying to go after? So you say you work in the financial space. So presumably you're working at the upper end of that space. And then you're, so you want to be talking to the HR um, the managers or maybe a chief of staff at a big company. Like, so we'd start to go, okay, what do they look like? How are they engaging? What are they looking for? What are their needs? And then we'd start to go, okay, how can we address some of that stuff? And I am I am a big advocate for the effective inbound, but as an agency owner, I am literally going to write a book. And I mean, this is going to sound horrific on a HubSpot podcast. I'm going to write a book titled Fuck Inbound. And it is going to be my, my approach to, if I knew everything I know now, what I would do as an agency owner, because I think that like as an agency delivering services uh, like marketing services like writing blog content and um and social media posts and things like that it's a race to the bottom there's ai bots that do it now 
clients can often deliver that stuff internally. Competitors can very easily swap in, swap out. And it's much more around the brain power that people should be coming to agencies for. So what we do now is we help you develop, develop the strategy. Sometimes we'll help you with the branding, the messaging, depends what you already have. Then we'll look at the audience you're trying to go to. Then we look at what attracts them. And it might be content, but it might be video. It might be just the way that you outreach them. It could be just the the potentially we'll look at your personal branding on social. There are so many different ways to do it. Or we might say, actually, inbound's not for you because of the kind of people that you're going after. They're not doing research. They're not going after it. They don't have the equivalent of a marketing Mary who, and Mark, for your information, a marketing Mary is somebody who is a persona, who is a researcher for a decision maker effectively. So, so as a marketing director, I would say to somebody um, who has that persona, marketing Mary, please go and find me an agency or go and find me a marketing automation tool that will do this thing for me. Marketing Mary goes away, researches it, comes back and says, go speak to Six and Flow. Um, and here's why you should speak to Six and Flow. And then we speak to them. So historically, agencies would build content around Marketing Mary because we kind of Trojan horse them into that process. But you wouldn't necessarily have that because that those roles that you're going after might not have the equivalent of marketing merit. So then you start to get into the question of actually, are these people going to be researching with blogs? I so I and this is why I went into that kind of rant about like I like fuck inbound is because I am a decision maker. I can't remember the last time I read a blog that had anything to do with work. I mean, I've read a couple about golf now because it's been my like new passion since lockdown and now motorbikes because I've reached a midlife crisis and I'm going to buy a motorbike, but anything to do with work, couldn't care less. I consume video content. I use word of mouth and I attend some event events when when we could and when there was still beer that they gave out but it's like that kind of stuff i don't do anymore but i still don't read blogs so that's where we would start to go okay what are these people actually going to like engage with and how are you going to reach out to them and it might be abm it might be that we've decided that you have five main accounts that you want to go after so accounts uh, abm is account-based marketing so five main accounts and we will we find out who at each one of those accounts, who that individual person is, and then we build mini marketing campaigns around them. And like, you can do some really cool shit. Like, okay, let's say, Mark, I'm going to sell you as an agency, right? So I want you to be my next rec client. I'm going to find out where you work, like where your office is, and I'm going to put a big billboard outside that says, Mark, you should work with Six and Flow because we'll absolutely nail your marketing campaign. You'd walk out of your building and go, holy shit, that's a bit creepy, but also really fucking powerful because now I know who Six and Flow is. And and at the same time, we'd be hitting you with digital advertising and then my sales team would reach out to you. So we're using marketing to like grease the wheels, introduce the brand, because once you have a brand recognition, you're much more likely to open uh, answer the phone. And because uh, you imagine if somebody, if I put a big Six and Flow like banner out saying, Mark, we're going to call you because we're going to know your marketing. And two days later, you get a phone call from one of my sales guys. You'd be like, I'm going to take the call just because that was like different, like like you did with your outreach to James Khan. So for those of you who don't know, Mark got investment from James Khan, and you're the only person I've ever met who has had investment from James Khan. So that's pretty impressive. But it's because you wrote something that was outside of his normal scope, and you can attract people in different ways. So this is a really long-winded way of me saying we could do loads of shit for you, but you're actually going to have to figure out who and what first. I think that it's such a it's something that everyone needs to sit down with their business and figure out who they're selling to because it's so because I'm I've been in sales 
well, my first sales job, I think it was like 16, kind of door-to-door uh, selling uh, <laughs> security systems. But the it's something that we, we I'm, I'm so action biased. I want to get after it. You know, like a lot of salespeople say, whatever, give me the give me the email, give me the the phone. This guy looks like he might be, like I said, a, a decision maker at this company. Um, I'm just going to try to wing it this this way. But getting into the mind of exactly the people that you'd be trying to attract, because there's only, I, I think most businesses have a very kind of narrow uh, buyer persona where they're the only people who are going to buy from you. But we shout at everybody, uh, you know, in the business. They're like, I've, I've no, there's no way that I can buy uh, CRM. I work in the in the shop downstairs. What, what are we talking about? Do you know. Um, so I, the other thing I would say though is most businesses and most businesses don't do this, but every business should reassess who that buyer is at least every six months. We do it quarterly. So every quarter, as a leadership team, we go, okay, what does this matrix look like? Are we still selling to the right people? Is our messaging still right? Are our core values still right? And we reassess that stuff. And I think that's the problem that a lot of businesses um, get into, particularly in a tech or marketing space where things change. There, there will be a new product, service, or like tool that I can use every few months. And if I wait more than six months to reassess what I'm selling and how I'm selling it and who I'm selling to, then I will totally miss it. And you extrapolate that by a year, I've missed two rounds of changes. So that's where I think most businesses need to get into the habit of actually assessing what they do and how they do it. I think it's a lot of food for thought for Mark. Um, I'm glad we recorded this. I'll listen back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but from my side, what I would think is, the steps are, are off the top of my head would be obviously know who you're, as you said, like know who your target audience is, who you want to speak to, who, who, who are the gatekeepers or decision makers, get their attention, which is quite hard to do, and then be as personalized as possible in your approach. But the, the final bit of that actually takes seems to be such a manual task to be to be personal. And, and, and I know there is automation that can, you know, change words automatically and you can send an email to 100 people. But to that's me, I think people are copping though. onto that, huh? That's not personalization, though. I mean, that's yeah. that's just that's that's the cost of entry for marketing now. If you can't do that, then you shouldn't be sending anything at all. Hmm. That's not personalization. So I've got a so I now as an agency, we're big enough for people to look at us for acquisition processes, and I get reached out to them all the time. And you can see them, they are bulk sending, like they've just basically picked all of the agencies that have come up on whatever list it is and gone, we're going to send this and just say to them, like, are you thinking about an exit? You're an agency owner. You should be thinking about an exit and we can help you with that exit. We'll get you the top dollar. And I'm like, and so I put a tweet out about it ages ago and I was like, they would be far more um, effective if they sent me a bottle of whiskey and said, Rich, we want to talk about buying your agency. Now I'm not, I'm not in the process of being sold. Like I'm not in the process of thinking about selling at all, but that would at least start a conversation with me. And that understanding that I, I like whiskey and like, well, a bunch of other stuff is easy to find on my social. I mean, you scroll down like three or four posts, you will find something that is an interest point for me. That's where you start to get into real personalization because you could say, so if I like, I don't know what your, your social like feed is like and how open you are with that. But if I were to like go after you with personalization, I would look at, and not something like bullshit, like, Oh, I've seen that you've written this blog because I really couldn't care less. But if it's something I go, okay, you are interested in this sports team or like this particular sport or, or you are based in Dublin or something along that lines. So it, it's, it's 
where it's most effective is where you cross that line between personalization and rapport. So where I've got, okay, I could say to you, Hey, Mark, like I, I see you guys are based in Dublin. It's one of my favorite cities, like genuinely one of my favorite cities. Like I've, I've had many a good night out and, um, What's the place that the the Irish typically don't go and the Brits do, and we all get mullered? Double bar. Yeah, yeah. I, I have many a good night there that I can barely remember. Like, but it, I, obviously, I wouldn't send you that in a sales pitch. But like, I could start to ease into things that you would then go. Actually, this guy has taken the time to know and kind of like um, appreciate the the space that I am in. Or I mean, the other way that we could go. And I'm I'm in two minds with this stuff. But when you outreach saying, "Hey, we work with this person in this space." you need to be very, very careful with it because you can get into that space of like, yeah, right now that like, it's either you're bragging or you could step onto the toes of, well, if you work with them, I don't want to work with you. But you could say like, we, we have experience in this space. And as long as I loop that back to how that individually affects you, I can then say, but, and here's how I feel like we could have a similar effect on you because I've noticed that you have just recruited roles for this business. That is a great marketing asset that we could turn into a case study. And then we could build into these other models. And we know that we could do it because we have worked with one of the biggest players in your space. So that's where that stuff, um, like personalization, I think comes into it. And I totally cut you off there and I massively apologize. No, no, not at all. <laughs> Mark, basically, I think the takeaway here is you need to up your uh, your billboard budget. I think you need to get some girls. I think. I, do you know what? I, I have, you wouldn't believe how many times I've pitched that idea to clients and fucking none of them would said yes yet. There will be one. And at some point I will get a billboard outside somebody's office. I think it's, I think it's great. You know, one of my, uh, one of my close friends used to uh, sell advertising door to door, kind of door to door, pub to pub, um, uh, you know, advertising in toilets. You know, like above the ur- urinal, he made great money. People, it's he, you, you've got a captured captured audience there, and uh, you know there's nothing else to do, so uh, they're <laughs> taking it all in. But Rich, I mean, we've gone over time here, and I want to be respectful of your time. Um, so, with with the last question, I usually do is say, okay, where where do where do you see the business in a few years? Is are you guys going to go uh, super kind of niche uh, or verticalization, or what, what are you guys going to do with the the business over the next five? My my business or your business? Like HubSpot or Six and Flow? Six and Flow. Six and Flow. Um, So I I believe that we will solidify our space and, and focus heavily on the strategy the implementation and the training side. And I think our, our marketing services will become more and more premium. So like we we will always deliver like and marketing is in our DNA and it's our lifeblood and we enjoy doing it. But I think it will be premium and it'll be in a position where like the team have more capacity to think and do and kind of really strategize around that stuff rather than just churning out blogs and social and things like that. So I think that's that's where we will move. And I think that's the natural progression that agencies will have to make if they're in the marketing space, because otherwise it is a race to the bottom. The the bots, the bots are coming, they're here, they're pretty good. So that it's only a matter of time between it becomes fairly indistinguishable for the types of content, unless you're going niche content and it's really expert driven. But I think also we'll go heavier and heavier on the integration of the CRM. So I am looking forward to the day where um, Benioff starts to panic that HubSpot is taking a sizable chunk of the market. And it like I I that won't happen in five years, but I I could see that it will be we're already seeing HubSpot coming up with 
being one of the the top three CRMs that people are considering now because it's starting to break out of that, oh, HubSpot is a marketing tool. Well, actually, no, HubSpot is a CRM platform. And people are starting to really understand that now. And I think it's only going to increase. So we'll, as an agency, we will start to um, focus more heavily on the upper end of the CRM space and also the the training, the strategy, implementation, and the like premium marketing delivery. Um, when when is this podcast going out? It's going to go out um, probably kind of end of October 2021, give or take. Okay, so oh, I can give you an exclusive then because we would have okay. launched it by then. Um, and so the, the other big play that we have at the moment as well. So if you look at, so HubSpot is growing year on year. So we're talking like billion dollar company growing at 40% is the estimate for this year, right? Yep. Which is sizable growth, which means there's going to be a need for bigger players in the market. The customers, like the footprint of the customers now are multi-global, multi-language, multi-region, multi-everything basically. Um, then they are more challenging for partners to um, kind of work with. And what that means is the partners are going to have to grow in step with that. Now, I am a 32-person agency based in Manchester. We've got offices kind of all over the place, but I cannot grow at the same rate as a billion-dollar company growing at 40% a year. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, right? So to get around that, I, I have the opportunity. So I have the options to either grow organically, which is too slow. I could become part of a group, which would lose my autonomy. And if you look at Six and Flow and why the reason a lot of people work with us is because of our positioning in the market, the uh, the way that we work, our brand, and likewise, why a lot of like the HubSpots uh, reps work with us because they understand us and our brand. So we lose the autonomy. We lose a big part of what we can actually deliver. And I'm not ready to be somebody's employee. Like that's just not me. Um, And equally, not the team either. Because the because of the way that we work, we're not corporate. And then the other option is that we go get some PE, VC money. We go and buy up other agencies. It's too slow because it will take years for us to align them all and get everything functioning properly. So what we are going to do, so um, Six and Flow, Media Junction, Webs, Inbound Cycle, and Hype and Dexter, We've created a elite partner alliance so that we can deliver for um, global entities um, and deliver high quality work. We're all working at the top end of the um, partner spectrum, and it enables us to enables us to deliver globally. It means that we can co-sell globally. We can co-train. So imagine you're a 25 year old who works for Six and Flow. I can send you out to Australia or New Zealand for a week to go do some training. I can send you to Amsterdam, do some training. So we can start to co-sell, co-source, um, co-deliver. And there was another co in there, but I forgot about it. But that's that's one of the big plays for us in the next year so that we can keep step in the, the, the growth that will come with HubSpot. So that's that's our play. And that's that's what I'm most excited about at the moment because it is a proper footing outside of the spaces that we're in. So we're in UK, we're in Ireland, we're in Canada and South Africa now as well, but we're not past that point, but we have clients with needs to that. And now I can service them without losing autonomy, without having to go through all the hoops of like merging and hiring and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's, it's fun and it's exciting, but that's where we're going to play in the next couple of years. That's a great, I think it's super exciting. And then, so for Mark's benefit and maybe for those people that are listening, they're all those uh, partners that are part of the elite tier in, uh, in HubSpot and they're kind of all over the world. So like I said, it kind of speaks to what you're talking about there about the type of customers that we're uh, working with now that have 
global offices. We did a, a partner deal um, this time last year, and I think there was eight offices, uh, and they were all being serviced out of one of our UK uh, partners. And uh, it was a it was a hassle, um, and they would have preferred to have that type of flexibility as well, I'm sure. So, um, I mean, that's, I think that's a great idea. So, best of luck with that. And like I said, that probably that news will probably be dropped by the time this comes out. Um, but uh, yeah, so like we'll watch that uh, closely, but. Uh, Rich, it's been uh, a delight to have a chat with you on the Dubspot Partner Podcast, and uh, thanks very much for joining us. 